welcome to another episode of the Grace and Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Big Tom Perkins, along with Dr. Cameron Miley. And today we're joined again by Dr. Andrew Weaver. And I think we're going to delve into uh, some of these EBVs. I think today we're going to start with uh, weaning weights and post-weaning weights. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we're going to talk about some of those growth traits. Uh, we did get some feedback, you know, when we're talking about estimated breeding values and NSIP, it's something that's just common term in our uh, verbiage and we understand what it is. But, uh, you know, Tom, you want to explain what NSIP is and the value it's provided to your flock and uh, why you're a big fan of it? Well, NSIP stands for National Sheep Improvement Program. If I'm wrong, correct me. Yay. Nope. You're you're good. That's a good one. <laughs> I mess these up sometimes. But it's a it's a way of measuring uh data between uh it could be between two different rams in uh using a, a group of lambs that are all born within 42 days of each other and, and uh raised the same exact way. And uh, I use it a lot for Oh, just picking U lines that uh, seem to consistently do well over time. Yeah, and there's a lot of different breeds, you know, within that NSIP program, a lot of different opportunities. And, and those breeds are kind of clumped together in uh, likeness and production goals. Um, but yeah, the goal of, of this kind of series was to discuss estimated breeding val- values in depth. Uh, and so today, you know, glad to have Dr. Weaver with us. When we're thinking about growth, and we talked about marketing earlier this year, the ability to impact or select individuals for improved growth is something we've done with or without EBVs. Uh, but I'll, I'll ask Andrew, you know, where's the value and and the importance of that EBV and kind of what what do you see selection parameters being and how we should use it? Yeah, it's great to be back with you all again. And um, I think when we start talking about our our growth traits like weaning weights and post-weaning weights, um, especially for, for some folks that uh, you know might be new to NSIP, might be new to, to starting to use uh, estimated breeding values in their selection program, I think uh, these are traits that are relatively uh, straightforward and easy to understand and, and a really a great place to start. Uh, and a lot of my extension programs, I'll use these growth traits uh, as an example um, to help folks understand, uh, you know, how they can be utilized and some of the, uh, you know, potential outcomes uh, from selection uh, for these traits. And so um, obviously, you know, we talk about our growth traits and, um, you know, there's a reason not only are they relatively easy to understand, but they also have significant economic importance. Um, you know, most of us are selling lambs by the pound. So uh, when they cross that scale at the sale barn, whatever they weigh, um, our check is going to be based on that. And so if we can put more pounds across that scale, uh, that should be beneficial for us. So selecting for improved weaning weights, improved post weaning weights can potentially be beneficial. Uh, maybe later on here in a little bit, uh, we could you know maybe discuss some of the potential downfalls if we select for that um, you know too heavily or for too long. Um, but I think, you know, especially when we talk about, you know, developing lambs and marketing those lambs, those traits can be extremely important. So when we're looking at the EBV specifically, 
there's significant selection that can occur with growth trades. And we can see a significant amount of improvement in a short period of time. Do you want to explain why that is and why your growth is something that's easy to select for? Yeah, so our growth traits, um, generally they're moderately heritable. Uh, and so uh, the genetic component of those growth traits um, is is around, you know, that 20% range. Um, and so that means that of, you know, say that lamb weighs 50 pounds at weaning, uh, 20% of that phenotype uh, is contributed by genetics. And so uh, we can, we've quantified that. Um, and then we can use that to develop these breeding values and select for those that that have improved growth genetics. Um, and so that can be obviously passed on to subsequent generations. Um, and so um, there's quite a bit of variability um, within our population. We have lambs that grow slower. We have lambs that grow faster. Um, and so we, we, we're, we have the ability to select individuals with improved growth. And then we know there's a moderate genetic component to that. Um, so we can find those that have the improved genetics uh, for growth. Um, so it allows us to, to make selection decisions and to improve uh, that trait over time. It's a relatively easy trait to measure. Um, you know, most of us um, can, can measure that trait. Um, it does require a scale. Um, scales come in all shapes and sizes and forms and, and price values. Um, but if we can, if we have a scale, if we have some way to take a weight, um, we're able to start quantifying that trait and start utilizing that in our selection programs. Yeah, when you talk about scales, in the very beginning, we used the bathroom scale just down in our barn and literally just picked the lambs up, stood on the scale, and just did the math. Subtracted the, you know, my weight from the lamb's weight and uh, just went from there. We even, we even did use for a while like that until I got too old to pick those use up and stand on that scale. Yeah, I will tell you, Tom, you're not the only one that has done that. So, yeah, yeah I, I remember when we had the, it, it just getting, getting, had just gotten started in the sheep side of things. And, um, you know, it was a, a young individual and likewise was able to pick a lamb up. I never picked a you up. So kudos to you on that front. <laughs> um, you know, that is dedication on the data collection side of things. And, Anybody that wants to have an excuse towards not being able to collect it probably needs to talk to you. But my, my question is, you know, in the years that Tom is operating an extensive grass-based growing phase, and if I've got sheep that are sitting on a, a creep feeder and we're both trying to wean lambs and sell them at auction and growth is different, so you mentioned genetics make up 20%. What's making up the majority of that difference in growth performance? Well, that'd be management, wouldn't it? Yeah, a lot of it's management. And I guess when we're thinking about EBVs, there's um, what's the other portion of that growth? Right. I mean, it, it comes back to that whole idea that the phenotype. So in you know this scenario, maybe a weaning weight. Uh, that 50 pound lamb at weaning, um, that's a result of the genetics, but it's also a result of the environment that, that animal was exposed to. Were they creep fed? Were they raised on grass exclusively? Um, were they housed in a barn? Were they out in the field? Um, all of those things are going to contribute to that weaning weight. Uh, and so really when we evaluate these breeding values and differences between the breeding values, 
we're looking at that difference. Um, we're not that breeding value. Um, and what a common misconception is that breeding value is going to tell us that every one of our lambs is going to weigh 50 pounds. Uh, and that's simply not true. Um, and so that breeding value tells us the difference between uh, the expected weaning weights of two individuals. And so uh, we're, we're using it as a comparison tool um, and not a tool to tell us exactly how much lambs are going to weigh at a certain time point. Uh, and so, you know, look at two sires, uh, look at two individuals and evaluate the difference in that trait. Um, and that is going to be the, you know, the estimate of numerical difference in weaning weight or post weaning weight. Yeah. So, you know, we're out here at the center of the nation sale. There's a lot of uh, growth type sheep or terminal sires that uh, grow exceptionally well. And when we're looking at uh, weaning weight, post weaning weight, the number that is listed, is this just an arbitrary uh, number for ranking? Meaning, you know, if one has a post weaning weight of nine and one has a post weaning weight of five, a nine's better, a nine's higher, uh, they'll grow at a faster rate in that post weaning weight category. Do those numbers actually mean something in the real world? Yeah, they certainly do. And um, obviously, there's been a lot of work put into um, development of these breeding values. But then there's also now uh, data out there in, in terms of validation uh, to show that they do indeed work. Um, so I think you bring up a great point. You know, we have two rams. You know, one has an EBV for post weaning weight of nine. Another one has a post weaning EBV, uh, what do you say, four or five? Yeah. Um, let's use five for simplicity. Um and so um, the difference between those individuals is four. Nine minus five is four, right? Um, and the other thing to keep in mind, and this is one thing that um, can get a little bit uh, maybe confusing, is these breeding values are all calculated uh, in Australia. So we, the NSIP program works with uh, Lamb Plan um, out of Australia. And so our breeding values uh, for our growth traits are given to us in kilograms in the metric system. Uh, and so really, we have a post weaning weight of nine kilograms versus a post weaning weight EBV of five kilograms. So the difference is four kilograms, um, but that's just a, a, a technicality. Um, and so we look at, you know, but the difference between those two individuals for their genetic merit for growth at the post weaning time point uh, is four kilograms. We know an individual passes half of that, their genetic merit onto their offspring. So if we wanted to estimate differences in progeny performance uh, or progeny weight at the post weaning time point, uh, we simply divide that by two. So four divided by two is two kilograms, correct? Uh, and so if we were to take those two rams, um, if we were to use that ram with a, a post weaning weight EBV of nine kilograms rather than the ram with the post weaning weight EBV of five kilograms, we would expect uh, progeny uh, to be two kilograms heavier at the post weaning time point. Um, there's 2.2 pounds in a kilogram. Uh, and so you can simply, um, you know, if you want to get a rough estimate, just simply multiply it by two. So if you're going to be two kilograms heavier, they'd be four pounds heavier, a little over four, four and a half pounds heavier um, at the post weaning time point. Um, and then if you really want to understand, you know, what are potential economic impacts of that, um, let's just say land prices are $2 a pound. Uh, sound pretty reasonable. Um, so if lamb prices are $2 a pound and I can use one sire and make those lambs four pounds heavier, then those each one of those lambs 
is going to be worth $8 more when I market them at that post weaning time point. Um, and so that's every single land that that individual sires compared to individuals that would be sired by the lower growth ram uh, that we utilized in our example. So very quickly, we can assign an economic value to that trait and, and evaluate potential economics impacts of that selection decision. So you mentioned time points there with post weaning weight and weaning weight. What are those time points where data is collected uh, that we kind of expand back over to uh, or extend over to the production side of things that, you know, weaning weight tells us that we'll have improved performance to this time. And then post weaning weight is measured from this time to this time. Right. Yep, that's a great point. So um, our weaning weights um, are measured. Um, or, or relevant to growth um, up to that 42 to 90 day time point. Um, so often it's measured at weaning, obviously, um, but and we use the term weaning weights and post weaning weights. But in reality, uh, the trade is simply measuring, uh, you know, growth potential um, or weight differences um, at a specific age point. Um, and so for weaning, it's 42 to 90 days. Oftentimes are measured, you know, 60, 70 days. Um, at that weaning time point. Um, but if you don't wean till 120, 150 days, you could weigh those lambs at 60 days and use that um, in that for that weaning weight, uh, for that weight that's taken within that time range. Um, and then we have an early post weaning weight um, and that's measured between 91 and 150 days. Um, so if you're in a, a little bit more intensive system, maybe you wean lambs at 60 days, um, you maybe, you know, you take those lambs, maybe you, you know, background them on some pasture, you put them on feed, whatever you're gonna do with them. Um, wait about 60 days, um, come back around 120 days, um, but it can be anywhere in that time range, 91 all the way up to 150 days, and you get to take that post-weaning weight. So when we talk about post-weaning weight, we're talking about potential um, growth differences, weight differences in that 91 to 150-day time period. And then we have post-weaning weight. So we have early post-weaning weight, and then we have post-weaning weight. Post-weaning weights are taken anywhere from 151 to 304 days. And so it's just, those are just, again, technicality differences. Um, and how NSIP um, categorizes these traits. We have an early post weaning weight for maybe some of those more intensive operations that are going to feed lambs a little harder, get them to market sooner. Um, you know, if you're in a more um, extensive operation, uh, maybe developing lambs a little bit slower, weaning them later, marketing them later, um, you could wait and use the eyes, um, a weight in that, you know, post weaning time point at, you know, 150 to 304 days. Um, and so, Really, those, those date ranges just give us an idea of where those weight differences are relevant. And if we are a seed stock producer, if you're planning on submitting data um, to NSIP, we need to be cognizant of those eight range, um, those, those age ranges and those um, categories um, for data submission. So um, great point you're bringing up. Another thing I, I want to make sure we mention before we, we go too far um, is you know, we talk a lot about growth traits. We talk about weaning weights and post weaning weights, uh, but we have to have a birth weight to compare those two. Um, and so it's very important that you collect a birth weight, um, you know, within about 24 hours of birth. We need to get that weight so that we can assess and, and utilize that as a starting point to compare um, those weights at the weaning and the post weaning time points. And I had another question here for Tom. Again, when we're looking at production system, I've been told from, you know, some other producers that, well, I, I don't want sheep that... Uh, have high growth because I'm going to put them out on forage and the forage may not be able to meet those nutrient requirements. And I was just curious in your experience, 
have you noticed an issue with lambs that uh, have a higher growth potential having issues? You know, to me, that that doesn't necessarily track or make sense, um, you know, because we're selecting a genetic, we're selecting a genetic merit. And uh, regardless of what that is, or that production system, that animal should perform better than the average of the group. That's exactly what ours do. Um, with that 329 gram that we used last year, you could pick those lambs out before they even went on the scale. Um, every one of those lambs were a good 10 pounds heavier than their, than their counterparts. The, uh, and th- those lambs weren't getting any grain. They were just being uh, just on grass. And I think what you see is, I suppose you could feed them out and feed them to their max potential if you wanted to feed heavy on on grain. But you can just see it in a in a pasture raised system as well. Um, we could pick every one of those lambs out if they were coming down the coming down the race and get ready to go on the scale. You just you didn't even have to go back and look. It was it was pretty amazing with those, but uh, yeah. So we, you know we're looking at those at those heavier. We're breeding for those heavier lambs, but we also know that in our replacement use, we want to be careful because uh, we don't want to end up with two hundred pound use. And if you keep pushing that that post weaning weight over and over and over again, that's what you end up with. They just they're going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's a great point you bring up. And um, you know, all these traits are correlated. If you have a heavier birth weight, you're probably going to have a heavier weaning weight. You're probably going to have a heavier post weaning weight. Um, and then that's also linked to mature weight. Uh, and so if we put a ton of emphasis on selection for post weaning weight, um, sure, we're going to have lambs that that are very heavy at that post weaning time point. Uh, but if we're and if we're talking about feeder lambs, if we're talking about slaughter lambs and we're trying to put pounds across the scale, increase carcass width, whatever it might be. Um, that could be a very positive thing. Um, but if we're retaining replacement use um, from those selection decisions, we're going to end up with replacement use that are also much heavier at those time points and then are much heavier um, at maturity. And we know that um, you know maintenance nutrient requirements are based on an animal's body size. A larger animal, it takes more to keep that animal alive every day. Uh, and so if we have these extremely large use, um, they were trying to maintain, especially, you know, for us grass-based producers, um, you know, we're trying to use forage alone to maintain those use for most of the year. If we have this mammoth ewe, uh, it, it's pretty hard for her to sustain herself and maintain body condition and stay productive um, in those types of systems. Um, it could be possible, but it, it, it oftentimes, in my experience, um, it's quite a bit harder for those larger views. Um, and so we need to be cognizant of that. Uh, if we're going to provide a lot of supplemental feed, maybe we can get away with it. Um, but we just need to, to weigh the pros and cons of selection uh, for that trait. Maybe optimizing is better than maximizing. Uh, but again, I, it's really, it's going to vary operation to operation. And, and you need to evaluate for yourself and your operation um, how much weight you want to put on that trait. Um, is there kind of a threshold to shoot for? Um, or are you just going to try to like max it out and make them as big as possible? Um, it's just going to depend. I was curious, you know, Weight traits are one of the easiest things to measure. And so whether an individual or, or operation is in NSIP or uh, whether they're a commercial producer selling seed stock, 
most likely they'll have weight evaluations. And uh, when we're thinking about NSIP RAMs versus maybe some industry RAMs, are there any you know, specific examples or experiments that have occurred to kind of show that that the NSIP EBV values hold more value than just a simple uh, weight evaluation or growth trial um, in the genetic selection side of things with progeny? Uh, yeah, so there's been some validation work, and um, the Leading Edge Project is probably the best example of this. Um, uh, it was a, a collaborative effort between many uh, individuals in the sheep industry, and uh, I think it's provided a lot of value uh, in terms of data on uh, selection for either uh, you know growth traits or muscle traits, um, and that compared to um, you know some industry rams, uh, and so uh, all that information is available um, on the, the web, um, the American Sheep Industry Association, the Let's Grow program. Um, you can find links to, uh, to some of the reports and summaries um, of all of that work. Uh, but essentially what that showed is um, it, a bunch of, you know, in a range type production system, um, you know, utilizing Suffolk Rams as terminal sires um, on range use. I'm in a very large operation with over a thousand lambs. Um, uh, they utilized rams that, you know, had extreme growth, um, uh, EBVs, um, and also some rams that had you know, extreme muscle EBVs that were lower on growth. Um, and if you look at, you know, the difference between those individuals for um, those weight traits in terms of their breeding values, um, and then compare that to actual lamb performance, uh, the breeding values, the, the, the EBVs of those rams were able to predict progeny performance to within half a pound. Um, and that's over a thousand offspring. Um, so looking at over a thousand lambs, uh, you know, we can, they utilizing that genetic tool, that EBV, um, you know, we were able to get within a half a pound of prediction uh, for, you know, actual lamb weight uh, at that time point. So I think that's, um, you know, very telling and, and valuable in terms of, of illustrating the impact these breeding values can have their accuracy um, and the power that they can have in a selection program. And when we're looking at, you know, the results of that project, uh, I know we don't necessarily have an incentivized feeder program like many of our other uh, you know, livestock entities or industries have. But kind of what do you mind sharing the results of of kind of what was shown in that data, uh, the value of those NSIP rams from a monetary standpoint, meaning maybe I can go get an industry ram for uh, $800 and the NSIP ram is going to be. A thousand twelve hundred. Uh, is it worth the investment, and how do I quantify that down the road? Yeah. So obviously, you know, if we just categorize industry rams, those would be rams that aren't in NSIP that do not have breeding values. Um, and I think the real challenge there is is the unknown. We don't know um, that industry ram. He could have great genetics, but we don't know it. Um, and so the risk um, in, in purchasing and utilizing one of those individuals is much higher than buying a ram that's in an SIP with breeding values. Um, but that said, we can't just buy any ram that's in an SIP. We have to buy a ram that has breeding values um, or the traits we're interested in that has, you know, good growth traits. We can't just buy a ram. Just because he has a post weaning weight EBV doesn't mean that he's automatically going to grow better than every other ram in the industry. Um, no, he has to have those higher growth um, you know, traits, those, those larger post weaning weights, the larger weaning weights, et cetera. Um, so they have to have 
all those breeding values tell us is the genetic merit of the individual, whether that be good or bad. Um, it's going to tell us both ends of the, the spectrum. Uh, and so we have to find those rams that have the genetics that we're looking for. Um, and by doing that, we can have confidence and accuracy in our selection decisions. And I think that's where the true value is. Um, you know, I can go out and I can find that ram that has the growth genetics that I'm looking for. Um, and I can have quite a bit of confidence um, in the purchasing decision uh, that I'm about to make on that ram. Uh, where if I were to just go out buy an industry ram, yeah, he may be gigantic, um, but you know, is he gigantic because he's old or is he gigantic because he has good growth traits um, and, and good growth genetics? Um, I don't know with those industry sheep because they don't have the breeding values to tell me. So it's much more risky uh, to make that purchasing decision. I think too, you need to look at the uh, accuracies of those, those growth traits as well. Right. And we, we haven't really talked about that too much, um, but those there's an accuracy value associated with every breeding value. And so um, essentially um, the accuracy tells us how close to the true breeding value our estimated breeding value is. And so we talk about estimated breeding values. I think we can't we need to really think about what that term means. What, what does each you know one of those words mean? Um, and so we, you know, we start off with estimated. It's an estimated breeding values and you know, we're estimating the genetic merit for that trait. Um, and so it's not perfect, um, but it's an estimate. And so there's an accuracy associated with that. And that accuracy value tells us, okay, how close is that estimate to what it actually is? Um, and so the higher the accuracy, obviously the more confidence we can have in that selection decision. Um, and the way that we build accuracy is through records, through, through more data, the more information we know about something, the better we can predict it. So, you know, initially on that, you know, young ram lamb, um, you know, maybe it's a young ram lamb, we're new to NSIP, there's no pedigree information. Um, you know, all we have is an individual post weaning weight. So the accuracy is going to be extremely low because we only have one data point to utilize. Um, but, you know, say we have a ram lamb that's out of two NSIP sires that both have post weaning weights themselves. Now we have some pedigree information to build into that calculation. Now we have, we can add that to the individual, the weight of the individual itself. Um, and then, you know, we take that, that animal reaches maturity. We, we get some progeny out of that ram. And now we have those progeny records to utilize um, in the calculation of that value. So you, you think about in each one of these steps, we're adding data um, that's contributing towards the calculation of that like post weaning weight, for example. Um, and the accuracy is going to build with each one of those. So um, it could start off extremely low, um, but we get to a you know, proven ram that has 100 or 200 progeny and the accuracy value um, on his weight traits, maybe 90, 95%. Um, so very high, we can have a lot of confidence in that, um, that breeding value. And so it's important to consider, at least look at the accuracy as well um, and evaluate, you know, what, what kind of, you know, how much data is contributing to this? How much confidence can I have in that breeding value? Are we going to see a little bit of fluctuation potentially um, in a ram that's, that's, you know, unproven, that doesn't have progeny uh, versus a ram that's, you know, more proven that, uh, has a ton of information in the system. We, we know very well, you know, how those, how he's going to perform and how his offspring are going to perform. And I think, Tom, you've got an example you know, from the Leading Edge project that Andrew was kind of discussing in industry rams. Maybe the greatest downside is the unknown. Yeah. And so, you know, you've been through that. Um, I have a feeling that through our EBV discussion and, um, what we've already had and what we will continue to have, you know, Tim might be the the star of the show with kind of what 
just experiences that you've run into. Um, but do you want to share, you know, you purchased an animal that uh, had phenotypic value, but did not have EBVs and, you know, put them into your system, into the program and uh, prove those EBVs out. But the unknown portion, you just talk about kind of what, what that ended with and um, the result of that. Yeah, we bought a ram uh, from a show flock that was not involved in NSIP. Uh, the ram looked great, nice straight legs. That was one of the things I was wanting to improve upon. And uh, then we bought a ram with NSIP data. That ram's name was Brad. The first ram's name was Tim. And uh, as we started to collect NSIP data, submit that data, get the reports back, it was a night and day difference between Brad and Tim. While Tim looked really sharp, you know, he was, he looked really good in the show ring. His lambs just didn't perform near as well as the Brad lambs did. Um, it was, it was absolutely a night and day difference. And I will say, like, I've seen those sheep, uh, you know, when looking at them, at mature size or his yearlings, was there anything that indicated that one was going to be superior compared to the other? The biggest thing was just parasite resistance, but just looking at them, you couldn't, you can't tell what parasite resistance is. Well, and I'm saying like, you couldn't tell one, Brad was not significantly larger than no. Tim. Yeah, you know, they were, they were a uniform set of rams mm -hmm. that, if you were to walk to a pen and they were both sitting side by side and you didn't have EBVs, it, it's a toss up. It's a coin flip on who you select. Um, yep. And if you select Tim in that situation, long term, it's detrimental. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, we, we come back with data and uh, and you're, you're looking at some of these lambs and they're just not as good and you go back through and look through the pedigree and it's like yep those all came from from tim you go back through the line and there's tim in there and uh you know so we're trying to weed some of those out because they just didn't they just don't do as well and so that nsip data was was crucial and i haven't bought a ram since that didn't have nsip data yeah i think it's a great example again of just um it, it explains that unknown you know, what happens when that category is unknown. And certainly I think, you know, those that have invested you know, the time and energy into both collecting the data or just buying NSIP rands for uh, commercial flocks, that the value of having a known um, metric or a known reference for performance is where, you know, the dollars makes sense. It's worth the extra investment to know what you're paying for and know what genetic potential you're getting in a an individual. Yep. If you're starting out and you're growing your flock, my I, I just think you're so much further ahead to be buying quality NSIP rams because those genetics are going to be in your flock for a long time. Yeah. And maybe that's something, you know, to that new producer what you just mentioned, 
is we talk about NSIP and EBVs and collecting data, and it can be overwhelming. Maybe the greatest value NSIP has to the sheep industry is selling those seed stock type individuals, the seed stock rams into the commercial industry with known genetic performance yep. to generate offspring that, that go out and perform. Um, I think without that commercial sector, you know, investing and buying into NSIP, then there really is not a whole lot of purpose to um, just a, a bunch of guys switching, switching rams around and trading sheep. So that's so true. Well, we're coming up on our time here. Been good catching up with uh, you, Cam and, and Andrew. We thank you so much for coming on and helping to explain some of this. We hope to have you on again and uh, continue on with some of these EVVs and go into a little more depth. So you got something here in the 30 seconds or so that you want to summarize with? Yeah, I think um, if you're new to this IP, if you're just getting started, um, um, or if you're even a more seasoned producer, I think the weight traits are something to consider. Um, you know, they certainly, I mean, we think about economically relevant traits. Um, they're a trait that we can very easily assign dollars and cents to. Um, it's something that's relatively easy to measure. Uh, so it's a great place to get started if you're new. Um, if you're more experienced, trade to certainly pay attention to. Um, and one that um, can have economic importance um, relative to marketing lambs. Um, and also one to kind of pay attention to in terms of our mature youth flocks and the size that their mature size um, and, and trying to balance, you know, fast growing lambs with moderate mature sizes um, to make our system um, as profitable as possible. Yep, I agree 100%. So, uh, yeah, if you'd like to leave a comment, you'd like to reach out to us, you got some questions, uh, you can do that by reaching out to me at bigtomperkins at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page, the Grazing Sheep Podcast. Uh, you can get on there and hit the like button. You can leave some comments there as well. So it's been good catching up with you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.